And as he hit my right foot, I simply spun around like this and got back on the curb and said, thank you, Jesus. However, had I stepped with my left foot, the taxi would have caught me and I would have fallen and perhaps been run over. And so every step you take is ordered by the Lord. Sometimes we don't understand why God calls us to go down the roads he calls us to go down to. And most of you that are with me around the time of graduation, I will read that story, the places that you'll go. And it's an interesting life that we live. But there is an ochre of this life. There is an ochre of a matter. The word ochre simply means the end of a matter. And here is the truth that we are running a race with patience, and that we, as we run this race, there's going to be obstacles, there's going to be frustrations, there's going to be dangers, detours, and dead ends, there's going to be hurts, habits, and hang-ups, hang and there's going to be lions, tigers, and bear. But the end result of this race is to make it to a place called heaven to hang out with a man called Jesus and do things with Almighty God. Do I have a friend in the house today? That is God's purpose and plan for your life. And when you get to the end of the journey, there will be a crown that will be given to you that you'll immediately lay down at the feet of Jesus, but later pick it back up. There is a throne that you will be given, according to Revelation 3, and then there is a wedding garment that you will become a part of the spotless bride, and we will marry Jesus Christ, and for seven years we'll celebrate in the honeymoon, and then we'll come back to this world, and we will rule and reign for a thousand years called the millennium. That's our purpose. That's our plan. That's where we're headed. Very early in high school, my sophomore year, I began to run track. I was not uh, the coach called my dad personally and asked him if I could play football as a wide end. I was kind of a fast little guy. And uh, we had church on Friday night. We had the Young People's Endeavor, the YPE. Of course, we had Sunday morning. We had Sunday night. We had Bible studies. We had, it seemed like I went to church almost like every day of my life. I mean, that was just, that, that was the way that, that we rolled. And, and because the games were on Friday night, we had church on Friday night. I couldn't play football which is probably good because most of my friends that played serious football are hurt or wounded or they got something wrong with their body. So maybe the Lord spared me. But Dad said I could run track because the track meets were during the day. They were not in the evening on, on, a, on a church night. And so I remember there were two events that I participated in. I participated in the mile, and I partic- participated in the two-mile. I hated the two-mile. I literally hated it. It was just something that eight times around the track, that just was not my idea of a good time. We, we ran every day in practice. I ran four to ten miles a day. I tried to sprint a mile, which is obviously impossible. Uh, once or twice a week, I tried to sprint the mile to improve my, my time. And my, my two miles was around ten, mile, ten, ten minutes. My one mile was around four minutes and 51 seconds. And I won as, as the very last meet of the year. I won the league, set a record. I don't know that it's been broken. I'm sure it has. That was in 1972. But I remember the race, and Josh, I remember, you know, the first time around the track is kind of a kind of set of pace. The second time around the track, you're thinking about something else. And then the third time around the track, you're dying. I mean, you have lost your air. Your legs are screaming. You're, you're ready to lay down and quit or, fa- or fake a sprain or an injury. Can anybody relate in this, in this house and try to, try to somehow get out of the race? But somewhere between the third and fourth lap, something happened. There was what is called the second wind 
And when you receive that second wind, it's like your legs no longer had a vote in the matter. It was like your lungs no longer had a vote in the matter. You were a new person. You had new strength, new energy, and you would try to push your way on through to the finish line. Can anybody relate or can anybody identify? I believe the church of Jesus Christ is somewhere between the third and fourth lap. I believe that we're about to see a generation that is going to be so turned on to Christ that entire high schools are going to give their heart to the Lord. Teachers and professors are going to submit to the teaching of their students. I believe like a wave that comes from the ocean that covers the sea, I believe this wave is going to touch every single part of the world, and I do not want to miss this wave in Cleveland, Tennessee. If this is the place where God's going to move and this is the place that God's going to be a part of, I want to move with him. I want to be a part of that, but I want to run this race with patience. The reason that we are here, very little is really required of us by God. We, we bring our tithe and offering in the storehouse. Certainly, we try to come once or twice a week. Certainly, that's what we try to do. But you are here today to, re- to receive something that you can give away as quickly as you have received, and therefore, you can receive something else. Does that help anybody? I mean, as you... As we sit and talk about a race today, and we talk about running this race, and we talk about that there really is, a, there really, there really will be a finish line. Paul said, "I run this race with patience." As we look at this race that we want, we realize that there are a lot of forces at work that do not want us to be successful. There is the lust of the flesh, there is the pride of life, there is the lust of the eyes, and those three things try to take our focus off the things of God and begin to focus on the things of the world. And it's so there's nothing wrong with having a good education. There's nothing wrong with having a good job. There's nothing wrong with having vacation and enjoying time like that. But God only asks you to chisel out a very small part of your life to serve him and to be a part of the things that he has promised for you. Do I have a friend in the house? And as I remember um, very early in Courtney's life and Christine's life, in Skyler's life, I can remember very early, they were just a few days old or a few weeks old, that I would sing over them. And the reason that I enjoyed singing over them, because they, like so many others, didn't complain about my singing. And that's always a plus. And I really enjoyed the fact that they actually seemed to enjoy my singing and like my singing. But as I look at that helpless little baby there in the crib, and begin to sing over her, it reminds me of my heavenly father, that there I am in the crib, helpless sometimes, but God sings over me in the night. He gives me a song in the night. He watches over me. He ordains me. He loves me. He cares about me, and he sings over me. How crazy is that for us to comprehend today that somewhere in your walk, God is singing over you, and maybe he's singing, you are my sunshine. My, you never know what he's singing. He might be singing, where, oh, where are you tonight? Why did you? I don't know what song God is singing over you, but I hope it's not one of those. He sings over me. Been a long time since I rock and rolled, and so God and I will go and rock and roll a little bit and have fun and enjoy the things that he's prepared. There is a start and there is a finish. I shared last week the story of a little boy that got lost. A police officer picked him up tried to get him to the home, and he couldn't, he couldn't remember where he lived, the supermarket, the, the school, and he was completely lost. He was crying. And the officer mentioned the churches in the vicinity, and there was a certain church that had a big cross in the front yard. And as the officer told the boy about this church, he stopped crying. His eyes lit up, and he said, Sir, if you can get me back to the cross, 
I can make it the rest of the way home. And girls, that's for you this morning. If we can manage to get to the cross in the shadow of the cross, the Bible, the song says, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. There's something about that cross connection. There's something about Paul in all of his wisdom, spoke probably three or four languages, wrote most New Testament. Paul said, I don't want to know anything among you save the power of the cross. And we thank God for that gift that God gave us when he gave his son on a tree for us that we could know life and have life more abundantly and have a blessed life. If you have a amplified version of the Bible with you this morning, would you lift your hand? If you have an amplified version, of, if you'll go to uh, Psalms 1, I just want you to, to read the amplification concerning the word blessed. And if you look at somebody and say, you have amplified, anybody else amplified? You got verse 1 there, Psalms 3, verse 1. I want you to read it. Ready? Psalms, Psalms 1, I'm sorry. You, you read that first scripture for me. Blessed, happy, fortunate. Hey, wait a minute. Blessed means happy, fortunate. Prosperous and inviable. Is the man. That's all I want. There are two ways to bless somebody. One way to bless somebody is when you feel sorry for them. Bless. Bless his heart. <laughs> bless, bless him. He don't know which way is up. He don't know where these coming or going. When God passed out brains, he thought he said trains. He's missed both of them. Bless him. God just, God just bless him. God just touch him. That's probably not the way that this greeting is introduced to us. But when the word of God says that you are blessed, something attached to that word that brings favor, prosperity, goodness, viability, health, all of that is attached to that word. So if that word, if that word pudding has so many different connotations, then I want to know how to be blessed, right? If you're shout, shout at me those first four words. What were they, Maria? Happy. Who wants to be happy? Who wants to be happy? Where's our happy people? Okay, the second, second word, what? Fortunate. How many want to be fortunate? Uh, Creedence Clearwater said, I ain't no fortunate one, but we are. We are the fortunate one. And what else is there? Prosperous. How many would like to be prosperous? Is that not a good feeling? And the viable, healthy, and is, was there one more? Okay, blessed, watch this, is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or standeth in the way of the sinner or sitteth in the seat of a scorner. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate both day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also will not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What an incredible thought, idea. What a, what a, what a lifestyle that God introduced us to the man that chooses to run this race with patience. Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, mounted with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. So those seem to be 
two things that God is declaring to us in the last days. We are running this race with patience. And let me tell you something. It's not the one that shines the brightest. It's not the one that has the biggest hoopla or the biggest fan club, but it is the one that endureth to the end because there are three things that are trying to keep you from running your race. Sin, scorner, and wrong counsel. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standeth the way of the sinner, or sit in the seat of the scornful. Watch this digression, if you will. As you run this race, if you slow down long enough to walk with the sinner, you're going to stop moving forward. You're going to stop walking. You're going to stand, and then you're going, you're going to walk, and then you're going to stand, and then you're going to sit. Do you see the digression? Instead of moving forward, God would, the enemy would like for us to take the word of God, fill it full of scorn, wear you out, wear you down, beat you up, help you focus on all the negatives there are in life, that we forget the goodness of God, the, the God that lets us dream again, the God that promises that good things are coming our way. That all happens when we begin to run this race, race, race. Say that fast three times, race, race, race. I will not this morning torment you with my singing. I will not go to the piano, and I will not sing over you today because I'm not ready for the altar call. When I sing, people run to the altar. I've never seen it, so they run the altar and say, I'll get saved if you, if you quit singing. I don't really, the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But there's a song that says there is a race that we are running, and it's not the one that runs the swiftest. It's not the one that shines for days, but it's the one that endureth to the end. A crown of life is waiting for those who make it in, those that run the race with patience, casting off the weight of sin. It doesn't matter where you started or how long this race has been. It's the end that's so important. I've just got to make it in. I had a, I had a good cry Monday. Uh, I was watching Pastor Rhonda's news media, Fox News, and there was a story about the, the Boston Marathon and in the Boston Marathon, there was a husband and wife that didn't just run the marathon but completed it, and both the husband and the wife lost a leg during the bombing. Both of them lost a leg during the bombing. Yet, they didn't let that deter them. They didn't let that disqualify them. They didn't let that denote them. But they made a decision, we're going to run this race, we're going to run it together, and we're going to cross the finish line. And I thought that was so amazing and so incredible because there are so many times the enemy will do his best to try to destroy us. And Mish, if we're running, if there's a pace that we're running, we'll, we'll, we'll run right past the sinner, we'll run right past the scoffer, we'll run right past the bad counsel. They, they, they have no place in our life if we're constantly moving forward. I think the cliche says a rolling stone gathers no moss. But if you begin to back off, and you begin to chill out, and you begin to re-evaluate -evalu your race, and other things become more important, more consistent in your life. If you're not careful, you'll find yourself listening to things you would never listen to, watching things you would never watch, doing things you would never do. I was talking to uh, my parents yesterday. I thought, <coughs> I, thought this, I thought this was so 
kind of hypocritical on my part. But anyway, mom asked me, had I seen the movie Lone Survivor? Well, there's always a trick question when mom asks you a question. So I figured, where's the trick in all this? I said, I said, yes, mom. But I said, I got to tell you, you and dad can't watch it. You and dad can't watch it. Mom, there's cussing all the way through it. Mom, there's, there's bad words. There's bad this. And I said, mom, I said, we almost, we almost turned it off twice. We almost, and we said, if he cusses one more time, we're going to turn it off. Well, if he cusses one more time. But I thought, I don't know that it was hypocritical or I didn't want them watching it because it had bad words in it, but, but I was watching it. Does that help anybody? Am I telling off on myself? Or, and I, I, I said three Hail Marys and counted 17 beads and asked God to forgive me for watching The Lone Survivor. They had watched it edited by TV, and there was no cuss words. There was no profanity. There was no, you get a bunch of soldiers together, they're going to run their mouth and talk about anything else. But, but if you're running this race, you won't have time to hang out with a sinner. You won't have time to sit and see the scornful. You won't have time to get bad direction or bad wisdom. But there is a path. Look at somebody. There is a path. We talk about when the saints go marching in. There is a path. It's called a highway of holiness. There's a path that we walk. It's clearly marked. And there are players in our path who would like to stop and hinder what God is doing in our life and what God says he's going to do in life. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask God to come and, and join me for a minute. Where's my God? Did I, did I ask? Okay, Pastor Todd, are you, the, are you God? Pastor Todd, you, you come and be God. Pastor Todd's going to be God and he's going to be on the throne. And everybody knows where there's a yin, there's a yang. Hello? So where there's, a, where there's good, there's evil. Where there's good, there's bad. Okay, there's a devil. And I prayed about this, and I thought, how appropriate that Richard should be our devil. Richard, come and be our devil. <laughs> well, we've already confessed can, uh, cancer for Becky and devil for you. So uh, a devil, this is, this is your domain. This is, your, this, is the, this is the heavenlies. This is where you have to remain. And the reason you have to remain, because the blood of Jesus has tied you and has limited you to one particular area in life. Am I helping anybody this morning? So as, good. You got him? Okay, so no matter, so, so, so no matter what you threaten or what you say, you can't hinder me because God has got you right where you're supposed to be. Is that good? And when you try to get where you don't belong, that God yanks you back and sets you in your place and tells you off. Okay, there is a race to run. And, Christine, you and I are going to be that, that, that race. Come stand with me. This is, a, this is a girl that loves the Lord. She has a purpose. She has a destiny. She's going somewhere. There's a robe. There's a crown. There's a throne for you to sit on. And as you pursue the things of God and as you stay on that straight trail, watch, as we walk together and as the sheep of his pastor, I'll be your pastor and you be the sheep, and we're going to walk towards that throne together. We are, and we're not going to be distracted by this. Miss, if you'll stand up just for a minute. Or the sinner. Or the scornful. But we're headed somewhere. We're headed somewhere. It's a highway. Let's walk back just for a minute because I want to involve somebody else. Not only can the devil not hinder or hurt you, but David said, everywhere I go, goodness and mercy, where's my goodness? 
Brother Keith, come be my mercy. <laughs> if you'll get behind, if you'll get behind Christine, everywhere she goes, and Christine, I want you to have fun with this, okay? I want you to walk around the back aisle. I want you to walk. Don't go outside the door, stay in. But everywhere Christine goes, watch this. The angels of goodness and mercy go with her wherever she goes. It doesn't matter where she goes. We used to sing a little song that says, Oh, little feet, be careful where you go. There's a father up above looking down in tender love. And if you'll stop right here with me just for a minute. Guys, get behind her. And when it seems like the enemy gets, gets where even, even, even a little closer than he's got before, the, the private areas of life, the angels of goodness and mercy take out the devil, shut him down, throw him on the ground, stomp on his head, beat on him. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Now, Jackie is not really a scorner, and Misty is not really a sinner, and Todd is not really God, although did he not do, did he not do a good job? There is a race to run, and we're running it. As God said, I have orchestrated, I have ordered, I have ordained your life, I've ordered your words. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate day and night that they, thou mayest observe and do according to all that is written therein. I'll tell you something powerful. Give, give me just a minute to set this up. When you look at the technical translations of the Bible, you have the graphe. And the graphe is the way the sentences are structured, the way the paragraphs are coordinated, the way the story lies. There's, there's the graphe of the word. Then there is the written, the actual written word itself, which is called the logos. Then there is the ability for you and I to begin to speak the logos, and that becomes rhema. And as we begin to speak the rhema word of God, things begin to happen. And we know in this journey that we're on, there's going to be a lot of words. There's going to be a lot of things transpire, a lot of things take place. I want to leave this with you. Hebrews 11 says that by the word of God was the world framed. By the word of God was the world framed. Joshua, a builder, different ones are builders here in the house. You know that when you build a house, you get the lot ready, then you, you put the footers in, then you put the joist in, you put the walls up, you put the rafters, the ceiling, the insulation, heating, air, plumbing, all of that stuff. And that's the way you build the house. That's exactly the way that God built heaven and earth, only he spoke the word. And when he spoke the word, the things began to come to pass. And, and, and Linda, this is something that I felt like that God brought to my attention today as I was obviously listening, reading, studying yesterday. I, I found the word in, in Hebrews 11 and 2 was the word framed, framed. So then I began to think about paintings and I begin to think about frames. And there are frames that I have that are actually prettier than the picture. I know that nobody has a, a frame like that, but I've got some frames that the frames are gorgeous, but the picture's not all that, it's not all that great of a picture, but it's there and it's framed. And I got to thinking about the way that God allows me to meditate 
on the word of God. That's, that's the graphe. And begin to declare the word of God. That's the rhema. And as we begin to do this, the Bible says, not only will I prosper, but, Gail, it says that I shall have good success. Now, there is bad success. As we're watching even now the, the death of Prince, who was a monster on the guitar, as we look at the, the success of Whitney Houston, as we look at the success of Anna, Anna Nicole Smith, as we begin to look at as we begin to look at some of these Corey Hom, uh, Heath Ledger, uh, we begin to see all these people that and Pastor Ron and I were comment about this. They had everything. They had everything, and they some of them had twice of everything. Prince created his own concert hall where he gave his own concerts anytime he wanted and, and, and came out with a new album, sold millions of copies. But these people are successful, but it's not good success. But there's a place that you can be sheltered safe in the arms of God where you're successful and there's a good feeling about that success. And this is, the way, this is what I want to leave you today. As a dad, as a father, not necessarily an employer anymore, but as a dad, as a father, as a landlord, I am learning that the way that I frame the picture, if I frame the picture correctly with the right words, I'm going to get good success. And so when I am, when I am in a relationship with you, I need to be careful that my words are not toxic. I need to be careful my words are not harmful. I, I have the t- tendency, I am a, what did you call me, a knee-jerk, but I'm also a knee-jerk guy, right? I mean, I, I saw my precious cousin posting on Facebook yesterday, and he said, you don't know me, you don't know the smile on my face, you don't think about me, but let me tell you something, I'm packing, and should an idiot come in here and start causing hurt and harm, I promise I will put him down. I promise I will put him down. So there's a right way to communicate, and there's a Wrong way to communicate. And as a, as a husband, if I begin to speak things to Pastor Rhonda, areas that I don't like that I want her to change, we're probably not going to see a whole lot of change in that, the direction I'm speaking. Anybody relate? But if I find things that, that, that is awesome, incredible, phenomenal, and does all the time, and I brag on her and I compliment her, I frame that picture that I want to paint. And as I begin to say how wonderful she is, how pretty she looks, what a great wife, a great cook, all of that. And then if I say, and by the way, I, I can't get in your bathroom right now because there's like eight straighteners, three hair dryers, 41. And it's like, well, that's her bathroom. I have no business being there anyway. So why was I saying anything in the first place? I begin to realize most of the words I say are not necessary. And it's like I run my mouth like you run the lawnmower. It's like, man, I'll, I'll begin. And, and don't ever let us two get on the same level of one day that we're just like a machine gun. Uh, our words just uh, because happy would probably be dead. I mean, it's scary. Just just if, if you had to stand up here for 30 minutes and look at some of you while you were preaching, you'd be scared. <laughs> some, of, some of you look like maniacs. Some of you look like you're going to throw something at me. So, so I, I have stopped focusing on people. I just now, I scan people. And I, and I scan, and I, and I try hard not to get focused on the one that wants to throw a cherry bomb at me or the one that wants to yank the microphone out of my hand and whack me over the head with it. And it seems like when I have that kind of attitude in life and I guard the words that I say, 
it seems like I see more good things happening, more good things happening. There, there are, there are dangers, toils, and snares. There are. There are hurts, habits, and hang-ups. There are. There are lions, tigers, and bears. But when I think about David, David took the lion in his life. David took the bear in his life. He confronted his fear. He defeated his fear. He protected the, the, the flock that his dad gave him, and that qualified him for a wife, one-third of the kingdom, an army of 400 warriors, and later he ruled the world because he was faithful in the things that God brought in his life. He was careful what he said, and God honored him, and God blessed him. So here we are. We're in a race. I have learned to try to hang around with people that celebrate me, not tolerate me. You ever feel like, you ever feel like somebody, just they just tolerate you? I mean, it's like, you know, I, they really don't have time to talk to you or visit with you. And every, you know those people? Well, forget them and the train they rode in on. Hello? I'm going to hang around people that enjoy an encourager and enjoy a blessing, enjoy me, and that's who I'm going to build upon. That's who I'm going to support. Thank you for your time. It is one minute after 12. Do you know where your kid's at? One minute after 12, do you know where your kid's at? Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's pray just for a minute.